delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, and welcome to episode 498 of the Two Tackies for Saturday, February 22nd, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour, or less. With Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. For the last 10 years, we've come together once a week to talk about, discuss, analyse, debate and all the rest of the week's most notable technology stories, news, and developments. This week, are we paying too much for our smartphones? Apple accused of suffocating the creation of new technologies from a previous employer. And could another iPhone SE surface? plot twist, Apple and Microsoft have actually combined together to create the iPhone SE Surface, which is a combination of the iPhone SE and the Surface. No? Okay, never mind. Welcome to episode 498 of the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. If it is your first time or the 498th or anywhere in between, we really appreciate it. As we said, um, a show now 10 years old, uh, decade old, it's it's really, it's it's, it's a thing. Should, should, we, should we commit to doing this every week, Aaron? I think we probably should. Mm, maybe. Two weeks off 500 as well, which is, is kind of a milestone for the show too, so we've had to celebrate. Um, something just before we continue, which we always do around this time of the year, and that is dedicate a show to Eric Lanigan, um, who sadly passed away in 2014. I'm sure you already know Eric or of Eric if you're interested in technology or in any way involved in technology to some extent or at least podcasting um, and technology. Eric was a, a true gentleman who sadly lost his life far, far too soon at the age of 27. Um, and it was around this time that he passed. It was around this time that it was his birthday. And as a result, we always make sure that an episode around this time of the year is, is devoted and dedicated to him for the simple fact that Eric gave a lot of his time up to join us on episodes of the show um, and made a, a very solid and firm contribution to it as well. Munchtech.tv forward slash Eric, E-R-I-K, is where you can find all the episodes that he appeared on and you can find a little bit more information about him. Uh, this week, technology news, it was the same as last. It was pitiful, to say the least, and that seems to be the trend this week, too. Um, really, I don't... So it, it's it's interesting, because, I mean, there, there's news, and that's what technology is great, or why technology is great, sorry. You know, there always is news, but sometimes it's you really are clutching at straws. So the big companies have done very little this week. The small companies have done very little this week as well, but there is enough to talk about, and there are interesting stories. An interesting concept, an interesting story from... Now a a former chip designer who is being sued by Apple for breach of contract, he says that Apple suffocates the creation of new technologies, whereas Apple are annoyed because he worked with them until February of last year, and then he left to start up a new company called Nuvia with other Apple developers. Two sides to every story, I guess, but we'll talk about it later on. Also, we are going to discuss this week the smartphone. How much is too much? There is, um, there have been stories in the last few weeks saying that, that this 
This continuous march towards a $2,000 smartphone is not sustainable. Whether it folds or it's just the size of a microhome, they're hitting an all-time high in terms of price. Most people aren't loving that price. When will that plateau? When will it reach its peak? And then the iPhone SE 2. Um, there is a media event rumored for the end of March, which could potentially see the launch of an iPhone SE 2. Is it? Does that fall within Apple's product categories? Does it fall within their, their lineup? Well, I guess if we're talking about an expensive smartphone, it, it probably does. But there is a there's a happy medium and compromising onto quality or the phone isn't the way of doing it. Not saying necessarily that's the case with the SE, but um, products and or companies and their products are certainly changing in terms of categorization. Google did it and Google found out, no, we don't want to pay extortionate amounts of money for smartphones. And um, and they figured that out. And, and that's the general consensus across the board. We'll talk about that and more after the quick news. Facebook is facing a lawsuit from the U.S. Internal Revenue Service, which claims a social network owes $9 billion in unpaid taxes. That lawsuit went to trial in a San Francisco court on Tuesday, and the crux of the case is a 2010 deal between Facebook and an Irish subsidiary that uses to shuffle money around internationally. The IRS alleges Facebook undervalued the intellectual property it sold to the subsidiary, thereby dodging billions in taxes. Many giant tech companies shelter billions from taxes by keeping their money in Ireland because of the country's low corporate tax rates. That often involves creating Irish subsidiaries that license out proprietary technology, trademarks, and other company property, which the subsidiary then pays royalties. The IRS claims Facebook undervalued the royalty amount between 2010 and 2016, which cut the company's domestic tax bill as the royalties are ultimately reported as income. Larry Tesla, an icon of early computing, has died at the age of 74. Mr. Tesla started working in Silicon Valley in the early 60s, at a time when computers were inaccessible to the vast majority of people. It was thanks to his innovations, which included the cut, copy and paste commands, that the personal computer became simple to learn and use. Xerox, where Mr. Tesla spent part of his career, paid tribute to him, Quote, the inventor of the cut, copy and paste, find and replace and more, was former Xerox researcher Larry Tesler. The company tweeted, your workday is easier thanks to his revolutionary ideas. Elon Musk has lashed out on Twitter after billionaire Bill Gates praised Tesla in an interview, but admitted he had chosen a Porsche as his first electric car. Mr. Musk later described his own conversations with the Microsoft founder as, quote, underwhelming. In a tweet, he was replying, sorry, to a Tesla fan who expressed surprise at Mr. Gates' choice of car because they said he was really smart. Many of the replies supported Mr. Gates, one saying, he's only saving millions of lives around the world. Another, you want to be underwhelmed? Call Tesla customer support. (laughs) Barclay says, it has scrapped a system that tracked the time employees spent at their desks and sent warnings to those spending too long on breaks. The bank introduced the computer monitoring system last week, but faced a backlash from staff, reported by City AM. Barclays said the axing, or sorry, that axing the tracking system was a response to colleague feedback, but would not say if it was permanent. The software, Sapiens, claims to create an unprecedented transparency within companies. It also determines when an employee goes offline for periods of time, the software's firm website says. A Barclays source told or said the tool was used to, to monitor the effectiveness of people's time at their desks, but in addition to sparking unease within the bank, it attracted criticism from privacy campaigners and HR professionals 
around the world. Silky Carlo, director of privacy campaign Grip Big Brother Watch, said intrusive monitoring deprived staff of privacy in the workplace. big technology company taxes not paid what that's unheard of nine billion dollars which is still chump change and peanut um and i imagine Mm. facebook are somehow still quids in through doing that it is crazy it's funny as well because obviously a couple years ago probably two three years ago there was the whole um kind of uprising let's say within the uk um, against international companies and it wasn't just tech companies i know starbucks and whatnot were in that uh, list as well that they would operate within the UK, um, take money from the UK, but not pay their taxes back because their company would be in Europe so, or somewhere else in Europe or in Ireland or, you know, somehow they would avoid paying taxes. And obviously, I know we spoke about this at the time and it was very much, uh, unfortunately, it is completely legal, um, you know, loopholes, but it, it did raise a whole bunch of just efficacy questions. Like, just because it's legal doesn't mean you should do it. But obviously, companies are monetary driven, they're always going to do it. So I think this, hopefully this type of thing starts to send clear signals to the these companies that, I was going to say unfortunately, but fortunately, if you want to operate in a specific country, and this, this applies to any country, you have to abide by their rules when it comes to things like privacy, but especially when it comes to things like paying your taxes. The rest of us have to do it. The rest of us, you know, small yeah. companies, small startups aren't afforded the luxury of being able to, to, to move their company around in the world and, you know, move their taxes around around so why should the big guys just because they can pay for the the nice accountants why should the big guys get that advantage and get those tax breaks it's it's not how it works if you're part of this economy you pay your way just like everyone else does i don't understand why tech companies get so or companies in general get so up in arms about that um like it's just the right thing to do um we saw companies before that would threaten to to pull their business out of of the uk and 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 out of other countries it's just like it just makes no sense how you can like take a stand like that of oh we're gonna be super peeved off because you're not letting us you know operate in your country tax free like this is ridiculous but um, point point exactly and, and and that's the thing so if if an individual does this sued to high heaven it's treated as tax fraud it's fraud you're doing it on purpose but yet yeah, and, and i get it they're being sued yes okay fair enough but who is personally accountable for doing this within the company because it's not the company doing it the company didn't decide like it's, it's people within the company why are they not being held accountable i do believe um reading further on on the facebook article i do believe there are specific executives that are going to trial um but i believe it's just they're attending the trial not actually the ones on trial which as you say is kind of annoying in in this day and age no one companies are so big that no one is held personally accountable um like the company is the one that's held accountable so like they can kind of get away with doing anything if that makes sense because there is no risk of jail time let's say like there would be for mm. for, for smaller companies or for individuals so big companies i think whilst this nine billion dollars sounds like a lot you know they're not going to end up paying that um if anything at all this is purely the beginning of a trial where where we somehow know Facebook will wean out of it or never pay it. Um, and governments need to catch up and do a better job of that. Uh, make these companies accountable. Make these companies' executives personally accountable. 
Yep. You know, this is unfortunately the type of thing that let's say the accounting department should be personally accountable for, or personally responsible for, or the CEO of the company, or there should be some kind of individual accountability within these companies. For a lot of this stuff, um, as you exactly as you said, if an individual did this, you personally face jail time. If a company does this, you know, it's swept under the rug a little bit, isn't it? Which is just yeah. so annoying. Um, but yeah, the whole company's not paying their taxes thing. I think I was, when we spoke about it a few years ago, I think I was way too lenient on the companies and I think I probably sided with them slightly on, on the whole, oh, you know, it, it is technically, le- you know, it's unethical, but technically legal. They, you know, it should be on the government to tighten those loopholes, which I still think is correct. Um, but companies need to do so much better job of just be a better citizen of the country, I think. Um, you know, this goes to all of them. I know, I know. Yeah, it's it, a tricky one to say because it, it's, they're not technically doing anything illegal, so it's hard to, you know, sl- throw the ban hammer down on them almost. Yeah, and, and absolutely, in terms of personal accountability is really what needs to happen here. Having a mask of a company, there needs to an example <clears throat> needs to be made, and the example can't be purely monetary because that doesn't affect the company. Ultimately, it, they, they pay the fine. If they get away with it, in some cases, great. And then in other events when they don't get away with it, well, we'll just pay the fine. The times we got away with it makes up for the, the fine we got. Sad when you see um, a an innovator in many ways pass, um, especially at a young age, 74, one who was responsible in the early 60s for computing when it was in its infancy and the, the vision behind cut, copy and paste. I wonder how many hours of productivity have been saved by that 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 three that, that what we would say simple but you know that innovation that simple innovation cut copy paste. I think in an average office workers or just an average computer user's daily life, I think it would be hard to think of any key command that is used more um, yeah, than control command C. You know, control command V. I think it's such an obvious thing looking back. I guess, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a little bit of a a sad week overall I think um, I can't remember his name I'm going to believe the inventor of the, the Lego minifig as well passed away this week so it's it's been a one of those names you've unfortunately probably not heard of until it's too late uh, it's kind of been one of those those weeks here's a bit of non-news for you Elon Musk didn't like a bit of competition wow it's not even that honestly people should watch the uh, the video MKBHD did with Bill Gates Bill Gates sits there and praises Tesla he says when you think of electric cars and, uh, you know, to paraphrase him slightly, company, uh, you think of a company that has pushed it forward, you have to think of Tesla. Like, he literally praised them, but then said, you know, he just said he's just bought a, a Porsche Taycan, which is, you know, Porsche or Taycan, Taycan, which is Porsche's new fully electric car, you know, a little bit of a different price range. Um, and let's be real. It's a, you know, it's completely personal preference and up to him what he wants to buy. He didn't at one point say that Teslas were underwhelming or anything like that. Like he didn't, like he praised Tesla, but Elon Musk being the egomaniac that he is immediately takes it the wrong way. But I love the way all the comments were like in support of Bill Gates. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. you know, only saving millions of lives around the world at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, someone who's making some cars. Um, I love it. You want to be underwhelmed. Call Tesla's customer service. It's like, wow, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> but it's like Bill Gates is, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are doing absolutely outstanding things 
Like, mm. he deserves every bit of credit he gets. He's, you know, so does Melinda. So does his entire foundation. Every bit of credit. If anyone wants a fascinating insight on Netflix, go watch Yeah, I was it. just about to say Inside Bill's Brain. Inside Bill's Inside Bill Brain or Mind. Brain. It's a three-part series. It will make you see him completely differently. I think up until kind of I watched that, or up until recent years, I, I probably only knew from the outside point of view the Bill Gates that we remember um, kind of in the early 2000s or in the 2000s, you know, the height of kind of Apple v Microsoft, I guess. Um, we knew Bill Gates as the CEO of Microsoft. He was the computer programmer. But you watch that and you see how, kind of how far behind him that actually is and how much he's invested and interested in making the world a better place, you know, through medical vaccines and, you know, improving standard of living around the world. And whatnot. It's like the guy is crazy intelligent. Um, obviously has a huge amount of wealth, but has clearly earned that. And the foundation do incredible things. It's a fantastic series. He, he's he him, his wife, his entire foundation are a fantastic bunch of people, and Elon Musk cannot even remotely hold a candle to them. Um, so I think no, that- because someone who. Um- Shoots a rocket in the air for their own fun. Mm. Yes. Someone who invented PayPal, which is arguably like one of the most annoying services on the planet <laughs> if you're a content creator. Yeah. <laughs> no, Inside Bill's Brain, it, as you said, it showed me a side that I, I, mean, I knew existed to Bill Gates, but didn't know just how significant of a person he was um, outside of computing. So here's someone who has... Has completely conquered and 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 created an industry, i.e., personal computing. Then he decides, oh well, I've done that. What else can I do? And he makes an an even bigger dent somewhere else. He's like, today I'm Crazy. gonna eradicate polio. Everyone laughs. Crazy. And then he does it. <laughs> Crazy. Barclays. Wow. It's funny. Um, this has been kicking around for some time, but to actually see it like last a week and then be scrapped is pretty obvious, I think. Technically, you could also put GPS trackers on your employees to make sure that they're not walking around the office aimlessly. It's crazy, isn't it? And you it? could put voice recorders on them as well to make sure they're not saying anything they shouldn't be in the office. It's like companies... But you don't. Companies, let's say probably bigger corporate companies such as Barclays, but companies wonder why staff morale is so low these days. They wonder why people suffer from burnout or they have high staff turnover you know not able to retain staff for very long and it's like but you look at the stuff they do and it's like i mean it's pretty obvious to to track employees like this to give employees no sense of freedom like this makes employees taskmasters you know thou shall complete this list of to-do tasks you know by 10 a.m type thing a, a workplace an employee-employer relationship should be a give and take. Like, it's a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. Um, if you treat your employees well, if you treat them with respect, with privacy, which comes under respect, I think, employees will give back. You have happy, or you potentially have, you know, the chance to have happier, let's say harder working. I'm not always a big fan of, you know, the, the term harder working, if that makes sense. But you, No, you're, you know, you're, not a, you're not a fan of hard work, Aaron. Well, exactly, yeah, true. <laughs> you, you get more from them if, if you know, if, if, if it's... It's a give and take, isn't it? If, yeah. if, if a company gives a little, they're going to get a little more back. Um, whereas if a company is like a stone cold kind of brick wall, then an employee is just seen as a, another number. Um, and things like this, just tracking, and you know, putting times on like, whoa, you went to the toilet for longer than five minutes. Oof, we're gonna have to, you know, we're going to have to dock your pay for that. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah, how to make employees not want to work there or... Absolutely. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say for employees in this world, we now live in a world where everything is shared online. And you could probably get away with this 
pre-internet because it couldn't be made such a big deal out of or it couldn't be shared. Whereas now, employees can leave a company and they can berate the crap out of your company. Um, companies have to be so careful with what they do because it can really harm future employee employees um, or the ability to acquire employees. Like This stuff is just ridiculous. Um, it should never be a thing. Like I say, you should put more trust in your employees. You don't have to track them and track their time or whatnot. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Just trust, put some trust in people for once. Give yeah. give people the respect they deserve. It's ridiculous. Couldn't have put it better myself. The march towards the $2,000 smartphone. Is it sustainable? As we said, either it folds in half or it's the size of a micro home. The high-end smartphones are hitting an all-time high. Many of us aren't exactly loving the price. Now, it isn't quite singling out any particular brand or manufacturer, but the two strike to mind. Number one, Samsung. Number two, Apple. They're really on the cutting edge of what's larger and, and, and on a growing trend. When Apple launches its first 5G iPhone later in the year, you can bet your AirPods that they're going to come with an appropriate price hike. What's the point? And at what point is enough, finally enough, for the mass market? At what point will the mass market go, mm, that's not really for us? Because there will come a time when that happens. And regardless of any upgrade plans or product swap plans, recycling programs and so on, $2,000 for a smartphone is just stupid when the recycle and refresh rate is approximately 18 to 24 months. I don't care what it does. So, we'll, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we'll always hark back to this. When me and you bought our iPhone 7 Pluses, you know, we bought the pretty much top of the range phone at the time. Mm. And the iPhone 7 Plus came with a price hike at the time. And we both yeah. exclaimed at the time that this is too much money for a phone. Bearing in mind that quote, too much money, was about £800, which is premium phone. It's, you know, it's a privileged position to be in. I fully understand that. You know, we're commenting on a potentially ridiculous sum of money to, to, to a lot of people. But still, it was a lot of money at the time. We still paid it, I think, reluctantly. Because um, bearing in mind the year before, the plus size phone, which was at the time still the top of the range phone, was like 150 or 200 pounds cheaper. Well, all of a sudden, 800 pounds, you can't even get your bargain basement phone for that much money. I use bargain basement, you know, slightly different. I fully appreciate you can get phones for, for a lot less than that. But specifically talking about the iPhone or the Samsung range, we're talking about phones that easily go up to 1400 dollars, $1, if not more. It's when I can buy a car for the same price I can buy a phone, or when it costs me more to buy a phone than a Mac. Um, that's not saying Macs are cheap, by the way. It's saying the opposite. I think we have to draw a line in the sand. Um, one of the reasons I went out and bought an iPhone 11, and I think I kind of spoke about this when the iPhone 11 was released, is it was the first phone that appealed to me based on price, because it was finally a phone that improved upon what I had with the iPhone 7 Plus, but was actually cheaper than what I paid for the 7 Plus. Um, they came back down slightly, I don't know, you know, or improved what you got for that price range. Had it been the other way around, had it been the iPhone 11 was exactly the same specs, but was far more money, probably wouldn't have an iPhone 11 right now. Um, I think that kind of seven, eight hundred pound range is like top of what most people would be willing to push their wallet to, I think. I know there are always people who want to be on the cutting edge that, you know, tech, tech YouTubers and whatnot who are quite happy to pay 1500 pounds a year for a phone and not even blink twice. Average consumer, not what they want to do. Um, in the world when the top of the range iPhone, top of the range Samsung was six, seven hundred pounds, you had the likes of OnePlus and, and, and Motorola and other manufacturers coming in at a quarter of that price or considerably less. 
um, and aiming to be those flagship killers. Whereas even now, as the, the price of the premium phones go up, the price of the budget phones can afford to go up as well because they can still be a quarter of the price. It just turns out a quarter of the price is like five or six hundred pounds all of a sudden. Um, I find it tricky to believe we're still having phones released in 2020. I think we probably spoke about it last year and we kind of thought like last year was the tipping point when it came to price. But nope, Samsung had their event this year and the S20 Ultra is $1,400, which is insane. Um, So maybe this price trend isn't going there anytime soon. Um, obviously, we've got to wait another six, seven months until we know what Apple are going to do when it comes comes to price, um, or with the main phones, I should say. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this proposed SE is. I know we'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah, I was really hoping last year was going to be be a bit of a, a a tipping point on the scale. And I appreciate new tech, new innovations come with the price to come with it. But on that front, aside from the folding smartphone trend, which I think is a very innovative, innovative and interesting trend for most other smartphones innovation is not the word that comes to mind and it doesn't feel like the price tag should be attached to it that's 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 the thing the phones have reached a peak at which they're they're not doing anything overly different to the previous one and 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 you hit the nail on the head there how can you justify the price hike? What is it doing differently that, that makes that jump so so worthwhile? Why does a 5% CPU speed increase and a slightly better aperture on the camera warrant adding 25% to the price each year? Exactly. I mean, in previous years, especially the past two or three, we've seen the prices climb at a fairly unprecedented rate. Samsung announced last week the $1,400 Galaxy S20 Ultra. The reaction to the pricing was almost universally surprise and even a bit of shock. We all knew 5G would come with a, a bit of a premium because that's what 4G taught us way back when it, it was coming into tuition. But I think this kind of price may even have a lot of industry experts reeling a bit. At, at $2,000, even over two years on finance, even at not percent, is what, $84, $83 a month? Stupid. Or pounds if it's £2,000. It's just not really justifiable. That's before you put any plan onto the phone. Someone raises an interesting point. And I, we're reading this on an Android website, so I think it applies more to, to, to this set of phones and, and probably less to iOS. Um, if you're going to charge me an arm and a leg for a phone, you need to be ready to support it for five years. That's one of the big thing, big things with Android, isn't it? Or with Samsung and, and the likes of, you pay all this money for a phone, but there's no guarantee it's still going to be receiving updates, even in a couple of years. It sounds really fanboyish, is one of the advantages of, of the more recent Apple updates. Um, iOS 12 and 13 did a great job of supporting like five or six years worth of hardware. Um, so whilst you may not be getting the latest and greatest features, you are getting something for the price you pay you know five or six years ago probably one of the advantages of purchasing something like a google pixel as well we know google do a pretty good job of of uh, supporting the pixel for at least a few years and that's exactly it google have done a better job at supporting their products over a longer period of time than apple and samsung have uh, so far it seems to be and i'm talking about software and, and update support i wouldn't um, i would long, not longevity. put apple in that category like i say they're doing at the moment like five or six years which is longer than google five or six years worth of updates um for a phone if you buy an iPhone today, it will still be getting updates likely in four or five years. The same cannot be said for Google or Samsung. Mm. I mean, you realize you're talking about a company that has been fined for slowing down old iPhones, right? Touche. Well, hang on a minute. It did still get an update. It just got an update that slowed it down. So it technically, still supported. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow, the fanboy just came out. <laughs> yeah. You're not meant to say that. I mean, the thing is that there's no way this is going to change anytime soon, and it's only going to get worse. At what point do you say enough is enough? And I don't mind paying for a quality product. That's not the issue. I don't think anyone does. The problem is when the price just is not justified. Okay, we're taking inflation, we're taking cost of components, we're taking cost of manufacturing. Um, what else? I mean, the components aren't overly expensive. I get the company has to make money in that they're they're actually taking the time to manufacture, research, and develop the product and so on and so forth, but that's included in the price and the massive amounts of phones they're selling. What point does it just become a joke? None of these phones cost that much to make. There are some companies that will lose money on a product. We're hearing rumours um, that Sony can't make the new PlayStation 5 for something like less than $400. Um, and we know when the PlayStation 3 came out, which had a Blu-ray player in it, you couldn't buy a standalone Blu-ray player for less or close to the price of a PlayStation 3. We know Sony were losing money on each sale for a while on that. The phone market is completely different. Companies are nowhere even close to losing money on these things. I dread to think the margins that Apple, Samsung, Google, Huawei, all of these big guys make on their phones. It must be insane. And to bring things like inflation into it, inflation doesn't go up nearly at the rate that prices of phones are going up. You know, if a phone is going up two or three hundred pounds a year, you know, inflation does not go up that much each year. I have heard companies use that excuse though, so it's, you know, perfectly valid. But on a personal note, I know you're still on your 7 Plus. Would you pay that much or more for phone again? What, the, the amount I paid for the 7 Plus? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't pay £2,000. That's just stupid. What um, would you say? So, so bearing in mind, I think the 7 Plus was what? Just over 800 or something like that? And that was yeah, top of the range at the point. Yep. What would be your 2020 limit, would you say? I think what Apple are charging at the minute for the current range of iPhones, I, I would be happy enough to go and buy one. Nine. Bearing in mind the 11 Pro goes up to £1,500, I think. Yeah, well, I don't need that. Storage, yeah, depending on the storage, I guess. Um, I think we're at the, the limit at the minute with the iPhone 11. I, I really think that's 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 it. Can you justify any more? That's what I mean. Like I say, it's what led me to purchase the 11. It was the first phone that I felt like I got something better and it was cheaper than what I paid for my last phone, which is just unheard of. Um, the 11 Pro, I think, starts at £1,000, which is just like four figures for a phone seems crazy. Crazy, um, crazy to me. I should say. Um, you know, I fully appreciate phones can be a big, pe- big part of a lot of people's lives. It could be the only tech they have in their life, or you know, maybe they don't have a tablet or a desktop or a laptop anymore. Maybe they are just phone based. There are so many people like that, and maybe spending a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds isn't that crazy um, for a lot of people. It's crazy, um, especially when you have the factor in the the fact that you're probably still purchasing a laptop or a tablet or something on top. Um, a lot of money you're carrying around in your pocket when your bag all of a sudden mm. yeah to just get rid of it a year and a half later big thing isn't it you know we want our electronics to last longer we don't want to you know put them into landfills and whatnot um but yeah we're still on this yearly or bi-yearly cycle of expensive upgrades and our old ones which are still perfectly good just go to waste Exactly. That ties in with what uh, a previous employee of Apple has said, that Apple suffocates the creation of new technologies. That's coming from a, a former chip designer who is now being sued for breach of contact. Contact. I keep saying contact. Contract. 
Apple has been in an ongoing legal fight with Jared Williams III, who worked at Apple up until February 2019 when he left to start a new company called Nuvia with other Apple developers. Williams was Apple's lead chip designer, working on the A7 to the A12X chips that Apple used in its mobile devices, and his new company develops processors for use in data centers. Apple first sued Williams in August 2019, claiming that his contracts with Apple prevented him from engaging in business activities that are directly related to Apple's business. Since then, uh, Williams has claimed that Apple invaded his privacy and monitored his texts while Apple complained that Williams had been planning and developing Nuvia while still at Apple and also soliciting Apple employees. In January, he tried to get the lawsuit brought against him by Apple rejected by the court, but he was unsuccessful and now he's back with a new claim that Apple has been recruiting engineers from Nuvia. There's a bit of a tit for tat here for that. Um, he said, she said scenario here, and that's not really what we're concerned about right now, but this, this, this quote, Apple suffocates the creation of new technologies, it's a pretty sweeping statement to make about a company full stop, and I'm not saying, you could say that about any company, for, but, but do they? You think Apple suffocates the creation of new technologies? It's a bit of a sensationist headline. This, is, this obviously revolves around, you can't leave our company to go to another company or to start a company and, you know, use your ideas or use ideas again. Um, bit of a common thing in the tech industry most or in industry in general i think a lot of companies you'll find will have non-compete clauses in or you know can't poach ideas or people from companies within x amount of months of leaving and stuff like that but fairly common fairly difficult to uphold a lot of the time a lot of the time it's just put in there to scare you more than anything um i probably wouldn't say apple hates new ideas and whatnot again like i say mo- all most i'd be amazed if there are any that don't have clauses like this in 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 their contracts. Um, the whole tit-for-tat thing is a little bit disappointing on Apple's behalf, I think. Um, you know, kind of feels very big tech company trying to scare the little guy type thing. Um, I uh, also wouldn't put it past them to uh, kind of be like this. It does feel like the Apple of 2020, doesn't it? It does, um, in a way, unfortunately. It feels like a tech company of 2020, but yeah, Apple, especially at this point in time. It's, I mean, I, I can actually see part of Apple, yes, Apple suffocates the creation of new technologies. And I don't feel that's intentional, but when you have a brand that is quite how, how do you put it? So Apple would be a company that aren't open. So you, you compare Apple and Google, and, and Google to me are always about constantly innovating um, for the right reasons and, and innovating in the right sectors and being open about it. Apple like to keep themselves to themselves, and everything Apple do is, is Apple-centric. You know, It's not to, to further progress technology as a whole in, in, in real-world situations. It's to further Apple as a company and their products. How difficult is it to get iOS to talk to other products at the minute? It's getting better, but if you want an open-source smart home are you going to rely on the home pod and apple home kit i don't think so or or am i am i wrong no i, I think it's a valid point that's the thing so to me and I'm, I'm not talking about technology in itself so that the phone or the their laptops or or other tech companies and their products i'm talking about as a whole apple products don't inherently entice other products to communicate with them whereas at the minute that's exactly what we want we want other technology companies to communicate with each other not they're not the companies their products to communicate with each other so that technology becomes more ubiquitous and, and more easy to integrate into life and for products to integrate into each other each other but apple don't apple want apple products to talk to um apple products they don't want apple products to talk to google products because then people might buy google products you know and but that's apple so i i sort of see the the, the seed here from that claim 
I don't agree with it completely, but I, I see exactly where it could be coming from, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's something, because like every time Apple release a product or, or go through an event, we're always like, please open it up. Please allow more people to do this, that, and the other. And they kind of do, I think, with the HomePod. The HomePod? No, with um the Amazon Echo and Google, I believe you can now play Apple Music on it. And like it's so unheard of for Apple that it's like, this was mainstream headline news because Apple allowing their system or their, their service onto the some other platform, especially a Google and Amazon platform, is like, whoa, stop the presses. Mm. And then that sort of bows on to finally uh, that there are rumors that Apple will launch the iPhone SE 2. March is becoming the most common month for Apple's spring media events, and the relatively long list of products with rumored imminent updates has pointed towards one of those spring events being held again this year. Claims are saying that Apple is planning to hold a media event at the very end of March, with uh, Tuesday, March 31st being the most likely date, a launch of a new low-cost iPhone, variously dubbed the iPhone SE 2 or the iPhone 9, in rumors is said to follow on Friday, April 3rd. In addition to the new, new low-cost iPhone, rumors have indicated Apple's planning to release several other products in the next few months, including an updated iPad Pro models and an updated 13-inch MacBook Pro. Wildcard rumors for the first half of 2020 also include the MacBook Air that's getting an update, Apple's tile-like AirTags, item trackers, and perhaps a wireless charging mat. So the iPhone SE 2. It's funny because we're talking about $2,000 smartphones and then we're going now to talk about um, a potentially low-cost iPhone. The fact that Apple have to have a low-cost iPhone, does that not sort of speak volumes? I mean, it's yes, it's been a little bit like that, or it's been a little like that for a long time. The SE, can you still buy the SE? Um, it's crazy how wildly popular the SE was. Like, everyone absolutely loved it. The price point, the form factor, the everything. And then Apple successfully updated it never again. No, you can't buy it. The cheapest you can buy is the iPhone 8, which starts, wow. You can buy an iPhone 8, which is the cheapest phone they do. If you're on an iPhone 8, it starts at almost £500. An 8 point, iPhone 8 Plus starts at almost 600 Crazy that that cheapest iPhone you can buy. I'd be interested in a uh, an SE2, not from a personal point of view, but just because I think, like I say, wildly popular product um, when it followed the, the, the 5 and 5S format. Um, I don't know if a 4.7 inch screen would be amazingly popular again. Um, mm. A lot of people like the, the smaller form factor, the 4 inch screen that the previous SE had, and that might be one of the reasons it was so popular. Honestly, the SE2 rumors have been going on for like 18 months now. Um, I think even if they do release another one, I would be a little worried about longevity of the product. Um, Apple have proved with this product range in the past that they can't keep it updated um, and the best bet is often to, if you want a cheaper iPhone it is to buy that previous generation or, or a couple generations behind the main lineup so in this in this t- time the iPhone 8 would be would be the ideal one um, what low cost will mean will be interesting I'm assuming it will cost less than the iPhone 8 the, the rumors that it will follow that design um, so hopefully kind of targeting that that sub 500 pound probably sub 400 pound mark um, the SE previously I think is lived in that kind of 399 um, or 300-ish price range. Um, I think having a three in the price at the beginning, I should say, um, and only having three numbers, not four, um, would be a good thing. And I think that's when we could start to call it low cost. Anything other than that, it just feels like another iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the fact that Apple have identified this as a market, and I'm, I'm not talking about a market for the less developed world. This is a market for 
for the Western world. Oh yeah, that that, that just the, really speaks volumes. The uh, a three hundred pound or four hundred pound is still not like that's two or three hundred pounds more than it should be if you want to want to target that kind of market. But I don't know if Apple have identified a local. Like I, I just don't think Apple care about that market. Um, I don't know. Like I say, the SE has been updated so infrequently. I think it did have a processor bump once. So I think calling this the SE two might be a bit of a stretch. Um. I think it did. I can't remember. Um, but considering what the SE came out like three, four years ago, five years ago, whenever it was, mm. um, and we thought at the time it's like great, uh, you know, yearly updated, cheaper iPhone. It's like well, that never happened because here we are, four years later, you know, talking about it as if it's the Mac Pro for God's sake. Um, yeah. You know that Apple just can't keep it updated. Are they interested in this market? And I just, I think if Apple had any ounce of caring for, for a low cost market, you know, like I say, it speaks volumes or. Or, uh, you know, it speaks very closely to the Mac Pro, the way we spoke about that. If, if Apple had any care for this market, they would have dealt with this on a yearly basis. Um, we have spoken about time and time again how Apple just don't seem to be able to focus on more than one thing at a time. Um, products get updated so sporadically, products that feel like they should obviously be updated once a year. You know, look at the MacBook Pro, for example. The 16-inch MacBook Pro came out, replacing the 15-inch, came out with, you know, a slightly better price range, the fixed keyboard and stuff like that but here we are a year later still waiting for that to trickle down to the 13 inch lineup it's just like this stuff feels like why not just update this all at once like this this is across apple's spectrum um why not have a single event in october where you release three iphones let's say you release a cheaper iphone you release the mid-range iphone which at the moment we'll call the iphone 11 and then you release the pro which is the top end it's just like this totally kind of disconnected world that Apple seemed to operate in. Um, goes for their Macs, goes for their iPads, iPhones, I think all devices at this point. Um, the only thing that seems to be semi-consistent is the watch, because there's one watch in two sizes. Um, it, it probably even feels to me that they'll they'll somehow manage to screw that up in the future. Aside from the SE, I'd be pretty interested to see what they do with the iPad Pro. Um, that 13-inch MacBook Pro I just mentioned, which would be, what, six months, a year late at this point, um, would be good. Um, AirTags, Something we thought we'd see last year, um, but obviously never came. Um, and then just other other basic updates as well. Wireless charging mat, air power is making a comeback. Yeah, I, you're right. Apple has certain products that one minute they care about, the next minute they completely forget about, and a few years later they come back to update as if nothing ever happened. And it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. You would think a company of that size and, and stature would be able to keep a close eye and focus on all products at once as they need to. It there, almost seem, feels like they're not capable of it. They seem to be a company that's like, oh, new shiny thing. <laughs> they get distracted very easily. We'll see. Um, it's not long. It's another month to, to go. And obviously, if they're going to have an event at the end of March, they will send out invitations soon enough. That's when the rumors will start generating. And I guess that's when things become more interesting. But certainly, in terms of, of smartphones overall, not just Apple, not just Samsung, but all smartphones, the price point has to stabilize at some stage. Otherwise, the general consumer will just become disinterested. They're not doing anything new they're not doing something overly special the fact the camera is slightly better has a wide angle option yeah that's cool it's not worth the price point and, and there will come a time when the consumer fights back by not purchasing it just because they don't want to spend that much money on a phone they'll take a holiday instead i guess that brings us to the end of this week's episode you can find uh, the 10 year episode over at munchtech.tv for slash 10 one zero years munchtech.tv for slash 10 years uh, for other episodes of the show munchtech.tv for an interview with Steve Wozniak back in 2012 munchtech.tv for slash was 
have newsletter munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter the ultimate guide to podcasting munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide and of course podcastassist.com and last but not least if you're listening on your mobile device hopefully not your $2,000 one munchtech.tv forward slash mobile as always thank you so much for joining us for taking the time to listen to this week's episode two more to go and we'll be hit 500 back next week same time same place until then have a good one and we'll see you in 499 bye bye Bye-bye.